Theory and Podcast Land. This is Dino, taking you down that dark, winding road that always seems to enter and pass by in my life, leaving me dazed, confused, and sometimes a little bloody. So sit back, relax, and let me tell you a very odd tale about something that happened to me a long time ago. You see, you have to understand, I grew up way before the internet, where everything was done by Rolodex. And for those that don't know what Rolodex is, basically a giant little notebook that was set on a wheel and all that wheel had was all your phone numbers and addresses and contacts that you would use every day of your life you have to understand not only did I use that but so did the police and every government agency it wasn't as quick as it is now where they hit a couple buttons and you find out everything you need to know of the other person now I tell you that now because it makes more sense as the story goes along. See, the only way I could get new clothes for the upcoming school year when I was very young was to get a summer job. Since I lived in a very rural community, summer jobs are hard to come by. So sometimes you basically have to stick to what you got, and which in my case was working in the fields. That particular day I was working in the cucumber fields. My mother was working in a nearby uh, peach field, and me and a lot of my friends were working there. We were working um, all day, and then just before the end of the day, uh, we would get these punch cards. And every time we'd fill up a five-gallon bucket of cucumbers, we'd walk it over to the uh, to this tractor dump it out and the guy standing there would punch a hole. Now based on how many five gallon buckets of cucumbers that we picked, that gave you an idea of what you were paid. And since a lot of the farmers were as crooked as you can imagine, we were paid all in cash. Well, one and sometimes, and sometimes, you get that one particular farmer just didn't want to pay you at all. And this is one of those times that had happened. But unfortunately, it blew up in his face more than you could ever imagine. Well, I had been working in the cucumber fields uh, my very first day in the middle of June. I would gotten to work, believe it or not, and it's four o'clock in the oh my god morning. By the end of the day, I had filled up pretty much my card and was assuming that I would be getting paid that day in cash. Just before the end of the day, which was around 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we heard, I heard screaming coming from the other side of the, the cucumber field. This was the field that was adjacent to us, which is the peak field, which was where my mother was working in. I saw people running and scurrying, tripping over each other, screaming. I couldn't make out what they were saying. Everybody was running and tripping and trying to make it to their cars. Others were just was just taking a chance and running while others were chuck, turning on their pickup trucks and diving into the flatbed and seeing if they could get away. I was dazed and confused. I didn't know what was going on. I stood there just wondering what was going on. It took me a few seconds after I realized that we were being raided by the immigration department. At that time, it was pretty, un- pretty common for the Department of 
INF to come on down to a local field and do what they refer to as an impromptu raid. In that raid, they would pick up a great deal of Hispanics and other immigrants who were undocumented in attempts to send them back to their country. But before they could figure out who was who, they would basically gather up as many people as they could in the fields. I was in that field when this occurred. Not only I, but my mother as well. I, at the time, was only 12 years old and unaware of everything that was happening to us. Before I knew it, some guy in a black suit, mask, body armor had come out of the peach field, grabbed me, and put zip ties on me. Keep in mind, I'm only 12 years old. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared out of my mind. I thought to myself, I had committed some sort of crime and was not even aware of it. So I went back, I stood there, answered all the questions, yes or no. But unfortunately, the, the gentleman who had tied me, excuse me, tied me, kept talking to me in Spanish, and I don't understand Spanish. You would figure, after all these years in California, working alongside Hispanics and other people who speak Spanish, then I'd pick up a few words. But unfortunately, if it's not on the Taco Bell menu, I don't know it. Anyways, the after they gathered as much as they could, they would they marched us down to a bus. And this bus was gray and had tinted windows with bars on it. I kept telling the gentleman, what's going on? What's going on? He kept telling me to be quiet. And what was going on? Well, they took us at least 75 miles from my home. Granted, I don't know where my mother is. And I don't know where we had been taken to. I'm not going to lie to you. I was alone. I was scared. And I didn't know what was going on. But slowly as they progressed, we had been called into this room and they were asking us questions. But unfortunately, the gentleman who was asking these questions kept answering, asking these questions in Spanish. And I kept telling the guy who was across from me that I didn't speak Spanish. But the more I told him that I didn't speak Spanish and I didn't know Spanish, the more he spoke to me in Spanish. I don't know if he was trying to trip me up or get me aggravated or anything, but I kept telling him. I got to a point I was so frustrated with him, I literally started crying. And I don't mean the small little tears and sobbing. I mean full-blown bubble bursting snot, losing control, almost in the fetal position kind of crying. And... They kept asking me for ID. I'm 12. I'm 12 years old. I have no ID. Okay? And this is way before cell phones, so I couldn't call anybody. And even if I gave me a phone to call somebody, I couldn't call anybody because my mother was either in that peach field where all the where the INS workers had to be crawling out of, or she was somewhere in this facility being questioned by INS whether or not she was an immigrant. 
just to give you a little background, just before I story number, I'm not Mexican. I'm Navajo Indian. I don't live on a reservation. For something I will let you know further down the line. But I'm not sure how long I was in that in that examination room or room or integration room or whatever you want to call it. But as the day progressed, they told me after I started bursting into tears, they put me back into a cell. And not a cell divided by the other children, but cells with full-grown men. And all of us were freaking out. When I heard a, a noise, a very familiar, gut-wrenching, scary noise. And normally when I hear this noise, at being 12 years old, when I heard this noise, it meant I was in trouble. There was my mother screaming her head off at the end. But the INS workers demanding that they release me from the cell. She had shown them pictures of who I was that she kept in her wallet. She showed them her ID. But what I didn't know is that my mother had kept a copy of my birth certificate in her wallet. Needless to say, they released us right then and there. Not before my mother, I can only describe as having a conniption. And for those of you who don't understand what a conniption is, try to wrap your mind around an idea about somebody who has been possessed by several demons. And instead of using those demons to inflict harm on the innocent, using that energy and momentum to strike fear into the people that cause you the most pain. Now, I've never seen anybody with a gun go that pale before. And granted, I've never heard my mother say words that would make most sailors cringe. But after it was all said and done, they didn't question her after that. They released me, apologized. And as we were walking out, and I'm, granted, I was holding on to my mother for dear life. I didn't care if it made me look like a mama's boy. I was just happy not to be in the cell. But as we were leaving, I heard an officer say to my mom, well, they look Mexican. Now, we were almost out of the building. My mother was almost finished with all of her paperwork to get us out of the building. And we were almost out the door on our way home. But that one little sentence set my mom into round two of a yelling spree that I have never, ever seen in my entire existence on this earth. Now granted, the man who was standing at the door, who said this, was wearing two guns and an assault rifle and body armor. My mother was only dressed in dirty flannel t-shirts covered in dirt from working in the field, and yet she had no fear of the man. But judging from that man's face, he knew 
otherwise. But don't hesitate. Don't feel mad. This is not a sad story. It gets just a tiny, tiny bit better and has a little bit of justice at the end. You see, one of my mother's friends who was recently diagnosed with cancer was going through a very tough time. She lived by herself. Her children had moved away. Her husband had passed away. So this woman had this. My mother had decided that this woman should stay with us until she can be back on her feet, or cancer subsides, or God forbid, she passes on. Anyways, one day we get a phone call from someone who claims to be this woman's son. And when I go to the door after they said they were going to come in, I opened the door, and there is the immigration officer that my mother had yelled to, had stated to me that we looked Mexican. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. It would seem, you know, fruitless at this point, but in that tiny microsecond, I opened the door, I had to change my underwear and my pants and my socks. Apparently, the woman who was ill, who had been staying with us, was this man's mother. Once he entered the house and saw my mother, my mother took this opportunity to explain to her friend that her son who made a very good living as an immigration officer had stated to this woman that we had looked Mexican and must be faking being Americans. Now, this woman asked me and my mother to step out of the living room so that she could talk to her son. Now, I know the difference between talking and yelling. What occurred to this man was yelling at a level I have only seen at rock concerts, but with less violence. After things were said and done and she called us back in, he humbly apologized to not only me and my mother, and offered to pay my mother for the lost wages that we incurred. And she wanted also he wanted to pay for us the travel expenses. My mother thought it was unnecessary, but he insisted on paying. After that day, I found out that the woman who had been staying with us had moved in with her son and wife and two other children. And also I had learned that he had transferred from his job in the INS to work in the prison. And when I asked the, his mother why he decided that, she co- had called me back and said the reason he had left INS and decided to work in the prison system was because at least he knew the people in the prison there was a better chance they were there for a reason and there was a less chance of him being yelled at. 
just to let you know, she did uh, overcome her cancer. She lived up until the age of 74. God bless her soul. And to this day, we still are in contact with her son. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I hope you enjoyed the story. You all have a great day. God bless you.